Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Welcome. My recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave them out should be shot on sight. No, 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 no. We are not getting into that conversation. <laughs> oh, because it's still legal in Arkansas? Because we're supposed to be doing the season wrap-up of Stargate. We have to waffle. The, we do not have to waffle in that direction, Alan. No, we don't have to waffle if we encode this so Alan can go to the shop. It's okay. If he wants to waffle in every direction, he's going to wind up not getting to the shop before it closes. Hello, good evening, and welcome to <gasps> the Gatecast Season 5 wrap-up. Good evening, everybody. And a special guest, if you'd like to introduce yourself. But you have so much fun introducing people and then letting them just hang there, empty air. Awkward sod, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he is. You're leaving this in. <laughs> yeah, I'm just writing down, get tumbleweed sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> you just caught what I said to you on Tuesday of last week. Or oh, it's Saturday. I can't remember when we regarded that. It's been an interesting week. Fine. Since she won't introduce herself, I'll have to come up with an interesting backstory that I invent off the top of my head. Tumbleweed sound effect goes in here again, Mike. I'm waiting for the... Come on, hurry up, man. Get on with it. I want to know what the interesting backstory is. Oh, we'll record it with Mike once you've gone off. Now. I'm not actually going to tell you. We're going to insert it in post. <laughs> oh, really? Bear in mind that unlike some people, I actually listen to the episodes that I'm on. Ooh. <laughs> well, I don't need to. I have you for that. I am not your personal listening service. No, you're so much fun. I wouldn't I demean you by merely again. referring to you as a personal listening service. of your everyday commute wish you knew what movies to watch we offer you Flash Pulp 3 to 10 minutes of fiction brought to you Monday, Wednesday and Friday evenings with goodies every Sunday with 3 Day Fish who is always listening on that note shall we commence as it were yeah, I'm all set. Sure. Because I've listened to the last season wrap-up, so I know Mike inserts the uh, siren noise here. Okay. Do I? <laughs> you did last time. Playwriting, <laughs> insert siren noise here. Yeah. <laughs> Permission to take a team through the Stargate, sir. So our season opener, Enemies Part 2. Mystery guest? <laughs> Reveal yourself. You can't go on calling me mystery guest the entire time. He's going to, you know. He's going to have to use my name. No, he's going to slip up. He's going to not be paying attention. He's going to use my name. <laughs> Thoughts on season five, episode one? Eh, no, I'll let you guys. I don't really remember that particular episode as well as I remember some of the other ones. Okay, then. Enemies gave us the story as Apophis, and our heroes were stuck in another galaxy or a different part of our galaxy. And they met replicators, wasn't it? Yes, replicators. Replicators. Cues sort of... Nice. Yes. Fortunately... I'm umming and ahhing a lot already. That's a great start to the night, isn't it? 
<laughs> Stuck millions of light years away from home, uh, they were fortunate that the replicators all merged together and produced a massive hyperdrive engine, which come back to Earth in minutes. Less than, less than 42 minutes, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah, going to love it when the plot works out like that. It's almost as if it was written. 42 minutes? Sorry, 44. We're still in show time. We don't go to 42 until we go to Cypher. <laughs> oh, okay. When you're used to watching the thing on DVD, you know how long an episode runs. Especially if it's an episode like the aft-mentioned one, which I tend not to name. Need? <laughs> you didn't need to do that. <laughs> I got him to say it. <laughs> You didn't get me to say the thing you said I was going to say. You said the word need. I didn't say the other word. Oh, my name? That's okay. You tweeted it. I didn't tweet that. (laughs) I don't care. I did that. Not you? That was Mike. (laughs) Very good move, Mike. I approve. (laughs) One thing uh, is important in this episode is the demise of uh, Apophis. Wait, how many times does Apophis die? I mean, he's like Daniel. I think if you're eaten by replicators, it's a little difficult to, you know, sort of put what's left into a sarcophagus. Well, to be fair, he wasn't eaten by replicators. He was standing on the bridge of his ship, surrounded by his personal force field, as the ship ploughed into the atmosphere at, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand miles a second. And that was in his home world as well, so pretty much an extinction event. Hang on, I thought the ploughing into the atmosphere at several thousand miles a second was what SG-1 did to the ship by disabling the deceleration so it crashed. Did Apophis' ship plough into the atmosphere, or did it just blow up? There were two ships, weren't there, though? There was our super hyperdrive one and there was the Apophis. Yeah, and the replicators took care of the other one because they went over to Apophis' big ship Mm -hmm. and got the uh, crystals off it so they could fix the hyperdrive of their ship. I see. How did they hold those crystals without breaking them? I don't know. Underlying key points, lots of special effects, Apophis is dead. Big shiny ship effects. Sam has a great line. Go on. Is that not the episode where um, Teal'c theoretically dies? Technically, Teal'c theoretically dies in the previous episode when the planet explodes. At the end of Enemies Part 1, Jack shoots Teal'c. Just to the okay. right of the page. Okay. I say there is one good quote in it when Jacob and Sam are having a little get-together and Jack kind of gets stuck in the middle of it. And Sam turns to Jack and says, Welcome to my life. <laughs> no good father and daughter banter. And Jack's just his little grin on his face. It's like watching a tennis match. Yeah. Backwards and forwards. I say it was an excellent start to the season. You just like all the big shiny ship effects. I like big shiny ships. Yes. I'm not going to apologise for that. I have noticed. There's nothing somewhere. wrong with it. Size isn't everything. But it helps. And we are talking about ships, aren't we? I'm assuming so. Oh, good. Come try ya! Next, Threshold. Which, as Michael has said at the time, shares its title with sadly truncated TV show. Uh, very much so. Tilk, obviously having uh, been brainwashed by Apophis in Enemies, is taken back to the SGC and Braytac comes to either save him or kill him. Mm-hmm. Pretty much a real near-death experience. The only way to uh, pull Tilk back from his delusion is to take him right down to his base personality and kind of reboot him. <laughs> Strip him back to the... Colonel and reinitialize. Literally takes Junior out of Tilk's pouch. Well, yes, you have to remove the peripheral device in case the USB is corrupted. <laughs> I love it. Tilk has become a computer now. Yeah, it's Tilk a Mac or a PC. Oh, Tilk's a Linux. All right. <laughs> He's open source. And the act is called Mystery Guest. When you want to try pronouncing that? The Ritual? Yes. The Malsharan. There you go. Rolls off her tongue. I'm good like that. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> A couple of good scenes in this episode, despite it being rather, uh, you know, few locations used in the SGC itself. But we do get to see Teal'c and Braytac sparring in the snow. 
Yes, yeah, so a sort of clip show without clips. Yeah. Yeah, it had kind of a clip show effect, but there's actually a lot of new material in there. With that oddly sort of bluey white tinge. Yeah, he had to be impressed with the state of Christopher's nipples, lying in the snow as he was. The poor bloke, and all he had was a, a thin sheet underneath him, and he just had to lie there for, well, minutes and minutes and minutes filming, and he was freezing to death. The guy's tough. Dedication to your craft right there. This is one of his episodes, you know, we don't get many of them. So if he don't write it himself, he has to put up with it. In all fairness, when he gets a, a Teal-centric episode, they do it upright. Yeah, they do. Like, every last minute of the episode is focused on him. Mm-hmm. With occasional chatter, I draw parallels, Teok lying on bed, etc., with uh, Meridian here. Meridian? Yeah, it could be. Our Daniel Dead episode. Oh. Season 5, episode 21. Not listened to that recap yet, because it hasn't been released. Yes, that was my point when I said we're going to record this Wednesday. I'm hoping you'd actually seen those two episodes. Oh, I've seen every <laughs> single episode of SG-1. Oh, that's no problem. Then. You know, what we say, we, we're really putting anything new into the mix. <laughs> we're just rehashing stuff. You can't say you put anything new into the mix. You do, but it's not like I've never been exposed to it prior to listening to the show. Yeah. Yeah, exposed. Behave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right, ultimately, Tilk does recover from his brainwashing, and all is right with the world. Yes, although he does sort of die briefly. Again, nothing wrong with that. Again, God knows Daniel does it often enough. That's true, yes. Hey, he turned into an art form. I think this was the first appearance from our favourite nurse, Karen Van Blankenstein, or Blankenstein. Oh, Matt Woods thingy. Thingy? Please substitute another word in there for that. The word escapes me. We're totally funny at this point. I have a non-specific virus screwing with my brain. <laughs> okay. Hey, that was Thrasher, the second episode. Come Up next... Ascension. This is a mainly Sam episode. They're off-world, and they find the ruins of an ancient civilization. Seems to be some sort of temple or a device which they're exploring. And mm-hmm. Sam kind of gets, well, not possessed as such, but attached to an alien entity. Yeah, I think it's more the alien entity gets attached to Sam. Not like it's the first one who's ever done that. Yes, and unfortunately, like everyone with the possible exception of certain uh, colonels, He's doomed. <laughs> the curse of loving Sam Carter. It's not even the curse of loving Sam. You don't have to love her, just be interested in her. <laughs> yes. Just say hello when you're in trouble. I think, <laughs> I think we get to season seven before we actually get someone who survives more than three dates. <laughs> yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery plays Orlin. The, uh, well, he is an ancient, isn't he? Kind of. And I'm surprised he's interested in Sam because he seems to play it a bit gay. To be fair, he makes a Stargate out of microwave and a toaster and all sorts of bits and bobs. So, you know, he's all... Several hundred metres of copper wire. Yeah, a bit of platinum and it really maxes out the credit card. Yeah. Okay, so he's a genius ancient. All ancient, sir. Yeah, that's the problem. There's a certain level of intelligence that's required. Uh, I don't know about that. Isn't it something they show in a a later season? You've got to be using about 95% of your your brain to even come close. Hmm. Although I think that were fudged to make the plot work in that particular episode. As we've seen, there are differences amongst the ancients. They're all smart, obviously, because where they reside, they have access to pretty much every piece of information across the history of the universe. Is there a parallel there with DS9's prophets, wormhole aliens, as in, do the ancients exist outside time? I don't think that's ever really explored. I don't think we've seen ancients going back in time and meeting different people like Q could. Hmm. But certainly, uh, they can see everything that's going on at any particular moment. They just don't particularly take any notice of it. So they're omnipresent, but only on a single temporal line. 
Yeah, pretty much that sums it up. We do have Omer Disala. I mean, she seems to be one of the most influential, or at least the most... Vague? The least vague. The least, the least vague. Calling an ancient vague is like calling the sky blue. <laughs> the ancient that falls for Sam, maybe he fell into sort of more regular modes of speaking because, you know, he was on his own for several hundred thousand years. He was cast out from the ancients, like, you know, he'd already... Uh... Yeah, been a ball boy, Spank. Yeah, in their eyes, he was a bit of a deviant. You know, he yes. got involved with the fleshy type. Yes, the squishy ones. Whereas the rest... Yeah, the squishy ones. It's a Pratchett reference to <laughs> okay, sure. Whatever you say. Really? Not literally. We do have one great moment. On the base, Jack coming out of a meeting and he's rushing towards a toilet and Sam keeps tracking him and just won't shut up. And he's he's standing outside the toilet, you know, with his, his legs crossed and he's jumping about. He looks at Sam and says, i got to pee. Didn't you say when we were recording this that he did actually have to pee at that point? Yes, he did. hope that was an actual toilet then. <laughs> it wasn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a garam bottle, it'll do. Again, another good episode. Some nice CGI and camera work. I seem to recall Sam in a nice little tight top, which Alan commented on in the episode. Who, me? Yes, you. <laughs> I'm looking all innocent. You can't see me, but I am. I'm looking all sceptical. You can't see me, but I am. <laughs> it's unusual to see Sam in anything but her uh, fatigues and a black T-shirt. Yeah. Not the most flattering outfit. So when she wears something different, it just kind of stands out. The same for Tilk, who wore his very bright cowboy shirt in that episode. And the hat. Yes, and the hat. Yes. That was the uh, pizza in Star Wars as well, wasn't it? I, I was going to ask if that was the Star Wars reference. Yeah, and women wrestling in jello. Yes. That was a good day I have, for Tilk. I have heard of a place where women do combat in jello. <laughs> blue jello, of course. <laughs> what is the fascination with blue jello? It's Jack's favourite. You've seen the canteen, there's blue and red, but Jack always seems to be eating blue jello. I've never really paid attention to the colour of jello that Jack eats, in all honesty. That's why we do the podcasts. You don't watch the episodes with the same intensity that we do. We've got to find something to talk about. Oh, look, jello. And of course, Jack being rather a fan of porridge at one point. Oh, yeah, oatmeal. Mm. <laughs> After three months of Fruit Loops. I was going to say, yeah, do you see how, many, how long you can eat Fruit Loops every single day? Well, I think Jack's enjoyment of a spoon of oatmeal rivals Kaylee's succulent strawberry bite. Mm, Kaylee. Come try ya! Moving on from succulent strawberries, the fifth man, <laughs> Lieutenant Tyler. Mystery guest? You are about to say something until I called you mystery guest, now you shut up again. Did <laughs> she? I said I remember that episode. Then go. Contribute. I didn't say I remembered it well or that I particularly liked it. I, I actually didn't. I thought it was rather dull. And why did you think it was dull? What was dull about it? Oh, do not psychoanalyze me. I'm not. I'm trying to get more words from you. Just didn't catch my attention the way that some episodes do. First of all, it really irritated me that they start the episode off introducing you to an SG-1 member. Theoretical, I realize still, that you've never seen before. That just irritated me. I spent the entire episode going, he's not part of the team. He's never been part of the team. Bear in mind, okay, when I watched this series start to finish... Courtesy of Thomas, he loaned me the disc. Mm. I watched it with my mother. Oh. No, it worked perfectly. She loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was like a nightly thing with us. We'd watch Stargate together. So I'm sitting there throughout Fifth Man going, he's not part of the team. And Mom keeps looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) What do you mean he's not part of the team? He's part of the team. They recognize him. Maybe they brought him in while you weren't, you know, just between episodes. And I'm going, no, Mom, he's not part of the team. I didn't remember the episode. I was not speaking from memory when I told her that. 
I just very emphatically knew there was not a Lieutenant Tyler on the team. So about halfway through the episode, when she actually catches on to the fact that Lieutenant Tyler does not exist and is not part of the team, <laughs> she looks at me, and guess what she says? He's not part of the team? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I'm glad you noticed that. Could have been worse. She could have turned to you and said, see, I told you he wasn't. <laughs> no, she did that to me on other episodes. All right. I think a couch cushion would have been thrown. No, but a couch pillow might. Let's not go there again. You what were saying, saying, sorry. Like... Throwing uh, imaginary couch cushions at each other. <laughs> yeah, I've got See, to agree that. Oh, shut up, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it'll make for a very boring rest of the episode. Right, yeah. No, not really, because if you promise not to say a word, then Mike and I can just have at it, and you won't be able to come back at anything we say about you. Yeah, it'll, it'll disappear for an hour and come back and say, I've been to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> No, I could do that in 22 minutes. 22 minutes from now, when we're on episode 10, maybe. The Fifth Man was one of the weaker episodes of the season. Although, it's a plot that's been used in other sci-fi shows. Most notable Next Generation with yes. uh, Riker. Okay, I realise that Stargate was a staple of establishing the sci-fi TV genre. But sometimes it really stinks that we always reference Star Trek. Mm, Star Trek is the granddaddy. Plus, it's a touchstone that, that most sci-fi fans, whether they love or hate it, will definitely have seen. True. Okay, so Fifth Man, not a great episode, apparently, by any of our standards. But it did have John Delancey in it. And what was that show he was a part of? Uh... Speaking of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, Torchwood? <laughs> yeah, yes, it. that was it. He was part that's of Torchwood. I haven't yeah. seen that yet. That part of Torchwood. That's Miracle Day. It's season four. Right, let's move on from Fifth Man to Red Sky. Come Oopsie. Yes. That sums up that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sam gets a bit creative with the uh, parameters of the DHD. And the safety controls. Yes. Oh, there's a warning light. Ignore it. It doesn't mean anything. Well, there's another six warning lights. Ignore them, too. Just suggestions. <laughs> yeah. We do meet more Asgard, though. Yes, we do. We get a seriously, seriously annoyed Jack. Oh, yeah, because he actually loses personnel because of the uh, arrogance and, well, terrorist action of one of the natives. Not even a subtle analogy, sort of fat corruption of religious sect. Nope. That was Sledgehammer Walnut. Still, it was a fun episode with some very nice, I thought, Jack moments. And not, uh, would you say it focused more uh, a sort of two-piece Jack and Sam rather than full ensemble? I think Daniel and Teok were mostly background. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, Sam was doing most of the work and Jack was... Doing most of the griping. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Chomping at the bit. Don't tell, of course, the resolution uh, is that planet's saved, the people will survive, and they're not quite sure who did it, except the fact that they want Jack out of the way. It was a little kind of, we've two minutes left, let's wrap this up. Yes, very much so. It seemed a little pat. Well, sometimes one episode length is all they have, but it's not really enough to do what they need to do with the storyline. It was worth it meeting the new Asgard, Freya, seeing the council chambers kind of thing. Mm. That were nice. Any shots of Asgard ships? No Asgard ships in this one. They didn't really want to know, did they? Probably. I can get my fix in many places. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just draw a curtain over that. <laughs> Come try ya! And move on to Rite of Passage. Oh, now that was a good episode. What did you think of the portrayal of female teenage characters in this? I don't remember being quite that angsty at that age, but it's pretty standard portrayal of your average teenage female girl. Female girl? <laughs> well, I'm interested in what other options you have there. <laughs> it was supposed to be teen girl or female teen, but it came out female girl. Yep. Okay, this is what you get for waking me up, okay? <laughs> 
I didn't wake you up. You woke yourself up. Well, I'm blaming you. Uh, so you're saying you're not saying it was my fault. You're just saying you're going to blame me. No, did I not just say it's all your fault? I'm blaming you. Right. Okay. <laughs> we do have to feel sorry for Dominic, Cassandra's fella. Okay. Yeah. Kisses her on the porch and. She faints and the uh, light shatters. And Sam and Janet burst out the door and give him the most. What the heck happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of them will be bad enough, but both on them. Good God. Okay, think about it. Janet's the mother figure, and then you've got Sam, who's also a mother figure, but trained to personally kill people. Yes. <laughs> and she's coming, bursting out the front door, yelling yeah. at him. What did you do to her? Nothing. Nothing honest. <laughs> Sam's response is, this doesn't look like nothing. Exactly what nothing. <laughs> we do meet Nerty as well, Gold System Lord, played by Jacqueline Samunda. Again, go to town with a costume in. Really emphasises the... Uh... Yes, really emphasises the lungs. Yes. I don't think we've met Nerty before, have we? But she has been referenced because Cassandra's homeworld was destroyed by her. I thought we met Nerty in the Protected Planet Asgard treaty negotiations. Was she one of them? Was she not the invisible she... one? I think he's right. I'm not positive, though. No, oh, well done, Alan. She attacked... Cronus? Oh, yes, Cronus. I thought Cronus died in that episode. No. No, Cronus was attacked in the Protected Planets episode. He died in the Robots episode. Well, I think that's where we saw Nerd. Okay. Yeah, season three, episode three, fair game. Go research, monkey. I like Rite of Passage. I have no problem with it. I say they changed the actress for Cassandra. Obviously, they couldn't get the original actress. Aside from the fact that she's like 16 playing 13. <laughs> and written by Heather E. Ash. You don't get many episodes of Stargate that were written by women. Mm-hmm. The show's been criticised before. It's very much a boys' club. Once one of the lads gets in, they don't tend to go anywhere. Well, specifically, once two of the lads get in, they just tend to take over. Well, Peter appeared, and then he directed, wrote, produced. Then Paul and Joseph came along, and they pretty much did the same. And sort of, you know, shoved Peter out the pasture. I think the only person who's really hung on was Martin Wood. He just follows a minute tapping around. <laughs> yes, I noticed that he directed episode two of this season of Sanctuary. I really noticed about him directing it, but I did notice that he was one of the producers of it from the beginning. Yeah, I think Amanda... Damon Kindler and Martin Wood were the brains behind Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And thanks to you guys, I actually, when I rewatched Sanctuary this last time, I saw the first episode, and the first thought I had when I saw that was, Martin Wood, he followed her from Stargate. <laughs> Which I had, I would not have known if I hadn't been listening to you guys doing the podcast, so. Yeah, well, if I were Martin, I'd quite happily follow Amanda through however many series she wanted to do. Who are you kidding? You don't have to be Martin to be happy to follow her through any series. You follow her anyway. <laughs> If I could afford it, I'd be in New Zealand right now. That was right passage. Come Beast of Burden. Wasn't this one you didn't like? Who? You. No, I had no problem with Beast of Burden. Daniel-centric episode with Shaka. <sighs> yes. Personally, I really like the Gatecast episode for Beast of Burden. Despite the fact that you said you didn't want to do Beast of Burden. Well, you could just feel lucky that I decided that guesting on the podcast was more important than whether or not I liked the episode itself. At the end, as I recall. Yeah. So we're recapping the gay cast rather than the episode. You admitted <laughs> you didn't dislike it that much. No, not as much as I had remember disliking it. I don't really think the episode worked as well as it could. I mean, you get the uh, slavery angle. The main guest star, Larry Drake, very familiar face. Starts out kind of a good old country boy. Turns into pretty much a, a vicious killer. At the risk of seriously ticking him off, since I'm probably going to see him in 10 days, but he won't have heard it by then. He does sort of remind me of Peter Morwood. Although it could be just a hat. One thing the episode does have going for it is the performances from the three actors that play the uh, Unus. They are mm. Unus, aren't they? Yes, yes. Unus. They are. 
Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> What's the plural of unus? Yeah, unus, unai, unuses. <laughs> Just going to defeat the problems given the meaning. Dion Johnson plays Shakar. He was Lieutenant Tyler in Fifth Man. Alex Zahara plays the smaller Unus. He was in 1969. Vincent Hammond plays the big Unus. I think uh, Vincent does a lot, lots of stunt work for the show. Considering the behind a ton of latex, put on excellent performances. And Sam gets to fire a gun a lot. <laughs> you like Sam firing a gun? No red-blooded man should have anything against a woman firing a gun. As long as it's not at them, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Got to put that proviso in. Yeah, because I'm sure our redneck contingent would complain. When she starts firing a gun at you, the relationship's over. Trust me, you don't have a redneck contingent. Yes, I know. Redneck. That's why I referenced it. Come Moving on to the tomb, if I might open with a rather non-subtle reference to the thing, to some extent. Not as non-subtle as the one with the Maybarnsicle, but... <laughs> well, you could also say a bit uh, like Alien as well, you know... Uh, trapped and sort of running through corridors and things attacking. Yeah, the basic plot has been used quite a lot. Scary thing. Can't escape. Yeah, but they threw a, a Russian group into the mix. Well, two, actually. The first one were basically skeletons mm. who had been nibbled on. And, of course, they actually threw in a Russian called Chekhov. <laughs> I know our guest has been giving out a bit was referencing Star Trek, but that was all Martin Wood. Oh, yeah. When, when you actually call a character that, you know, you know what you're doing. And that's one thing I like about the series, you know, they do reference popular culture, although that's probably the more, well, not blatant, because, you know, when you got Jack in a later episode on about being called Red Five, it's all a lot of fun. Yes, fun. That's the point of it, is it not? Yeah, quite right. I thought they just, you know, made it up as they went along. (laughs) The set design was excellent inside the, it wasn't a pyramid, was it? What were they calling it? A ziggurat. I was going to say, is that the one where Daniel keeps going on about the ziggurat? Yeah. Not a pyramid, guys. Keeps correcting Jack <laughs> about three or four times throughout the episode. Well, a uh, pyramid has a point. A ziggurat has steps and not always a point. A ziggurat is usually flat on top and isn't a sort of smooth pyramid. wasn't a terrible episode. It, it looked good. It didn't work as well as it could have done. I think it was an abrupt introduction to the Russians into the Stargate program. I mean, that's addressed later on in the season, of course. But not terrible. I, I don't mind watching the tomb again. Indeed not. He's a glancing at that. <laughs> subtle. Very subtle, Alan. Thank you. Don't think by using my name you'll get me to use yours. <laughs> Come try ya! Right, up next, we have the return of Nareem in Between Two Fires. Yes, uh, yet another person who had the foolish, doomed, tragic look to fall for her, Sam. Do you have a question about that? In an alien who lives off-planet's life, would seeing her count as a date? I suppose so. Because as far as that goes, Nareem is one of the longer-lived of those paramours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he did last quite a while. Yeah, not in terms of dates, though. Well, no, even in terms of dates in Sam's life. Well, I say, he, he was well up on some of them because the cat lived as well. That's because the cat wasn't feeling affectionate towards Sam. <laughs> it's a cat. It only feels affectionate towards itself. Yeah, let's face it, it's the most well-traveled Earth cat in existence at the time. True. In this franchise, yes. <laughs> oh, Spot. Yes, spot. Sorry, TNG, once again. <laughs> <laughs> now you guys are actually realizing how often you reference Star Trek. Well, it's been kindly pointed out to us by Mr. Guest. It doesn't help that I am a fan of TNG as well, and I've seen every episode ever made. I don't think it's as, as strong as Stargate was. No, I really don't think it was either. There are some excellent episodes of TNG. I just think they lapsed into averageness too many times that and the fact that the i mean i enjoyed it on first broadcast but even i got a little sick of the unsubtle ramming of moral down throat let's not forget 
Tanith. Yeah, it's Peter Wingfield. Chewing scenery wonderfully. And they really did sort of eke out this enmity between Teok and Tanith. I mean, effectively, since it started last season, effectively an entire season length of episodes. Oh, yeah. If you ask each one to describe the other, the lights would dim. <laughs> and the eyes would become hooded, the voice deepen, you know, and you can feel the animosity just seeping out of the pores. This is more enemy in a term that Sheldon could never relate to. Oh, no joke. Because a true mortal enemy is someone, I think it's mortal in the sense that you want to end their mortality. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! You've got mail. You bastard! Quick interjection, we have a tweet. Ooh. Nye from New Zealand just posted, season five had it all. From space guns to replicators, great humour to great heroics. Couldn't believe Daniel was gone. Don't worry, no. <laughs> and I sincerely hope, if you're in New Zealand, you're in Hamilton right now, at Armageddon. Alan? Yes? I think that qualifies as out-of-season spoilers. I'm sure Michael will take care of it in post. Uh, okay. <laughs> Although I can't really believe we're going to be the introduction to many people's viewing of SG-1. No. Anything else about... Between two fires... Ultimately, it's the end of the Tolan. Yeah, a lot of... They seem to have killed off a lot of the major... Uh, was this possibly because they didn't think they were going to get renewed and this season could have been it? Is this why so many of the major uh, allies they formed get whacked in season five? Oh, yeah. Mentioned it in a number of the commentaries. They expected to finish season five on Showtime and probably go into some sort of feature. So mm. they were thinning out the herd eventually to have one major bad guy which, and then... Yes. They got picked up, so... And they're like, oh, crap. Panic, panic. <laughs> <laughs> How do we stretch this out? <laughs> There's always more system lords. Yeah, but, I mean, it, you get the Buffy effect. You have a big bad, and the next season you have a bigger bad. And it comes to a point that you can't continue this way indefinitely. As True. Buffy proved by, in season seven, going for the ultimate incarnation of all evil. Okay. Gumdraya! The Ashen. A follow-up... Bizarrely enough, from nine years earlier to 2010, <laughs> called 2001. Yeah, much easier 40 odd minutes to watch than the movie of the same name. I don't know, I didn't see the movie. The movie wasn't 40 odd minutes. No, it wasn't 40 no, odd minutes. No, it was more like 140 odd minutes. Yeah, one space scene was 40 odd minutes. <laughs> it's a slight exaggeration, even if it did. It felt like 40 odd minutes. Watching that Panam, Panam, where, where did they go to? <laughs> there a TV show on an Irish channel showing? There's a drama about it. Yeah, I know there is. Yes. Christine Ritchie. Really? I didn't know. Damn, I'd have been recording it. <laughs> He's sake. I've had a crush on Christina Ritchie since the Adams family. How old was she? That's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it, really? <laughs> there's no possible way to make that statement look good for you, Alan. Surely there's another film you can mention. The opposite of sex? Black Moon. How about that? She's naked in that. That's. Oh, I remember that one. She's like a werewolf. No, that's... Yeah, I didn't see that. We have seriously digressed. Afterlife. Watch. Have you seen Afterlife, Alan? No. That's a good Christina Ritchie film. Okay. I probably haven't heard this one. Liam Neeson in it as well. And Justin Long. Right. Hmm. I might even watch it now. Christina Ritchie wasn't in Stargate. No. The Ashen were, and yeah. went to the Ashen slimy little... Uh... Oh, yes, very much so. They were slimy the first go-round, and I think they were actually slimier this time. Maybe because we knew what they were up to. <laughs> and unfortunately, this guy... I mean, between Two Fires and 2001, Sam manages to kill off two potential boyfriends in consecutive episodes. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? In the other reality, she was actually married to the ambassador. And here, he was obviously interested. Fool, fool, fool. That shows how wrong the other reality was. Yeah. He survived long <laughs> enough to marry her. 
by the power of scriptwriters, I shall I sentence thee to death. To be fair, though, he was worthy of Sam. He eventually gave his life to save the planet, so you can't really go wrong there. Yeah, but he gave his life to save the planet after Sam had been killed. Uh, kind of pointless. This is 2001, not 2010. Oh, yeah, but I, I meant 2010. Well, 2010, he kind of came late to the party. 2001, he was right there. As soon as the Ashen kind of let the ball slip by translating that word as uh, mm-hmm. Cyrility. And the look the leader gave him. You silly prat. <laughs> <laughs> you great steaming wazak. Ronnie Cox has sent to Robert Kinsey as well. Ah, yes. A man you want to have a shower after speaking with. As Mike pointed out when we saw it, he's been in other things and he plays this slimy little scumbag in those as well. Oh, yeah. Robocop. Come on. Oh, was he the guy who gets shoved out window at the end? Yeah. Yeah, because your man goes, you're fired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're fired! Thank you. And uh, not content to shoot him once. Oh, heavens, no. Yes, empty the magazine into him. We're... The unlikely event the magazine doesn't kill him. The sort of 43-story drop probably will. My favourite bit of that movie was the guy who went sploosh. Yeah, he fell in the chemical tank and he rears up his all sort of, and the van hits him, he just kind of, you know, splashes. Guys? Yes? 2001. Okay, that was 2001. <laughs> good episode. Very enjoyable. It was a good episode. Yeah. I liked it. I actually liked 2010 better, but I did like 2001. You just like seeing Jack in civvies. I just like seeing Jack. End of story. <laughs> no, end of story won't be for another 48 minutes. If you're lucky. Oh, I'm so not touching that statement. <laughs> Come try ya! Okay then, Desperate Measures. Desperate Measures did not like the episode. I was bored tears by the episode. You had to sit pretty much right through half an hour before you get any real payoff in it. And then you get a whole sequence of them running around empty corridors. You got Mayborn and Jack. Well, that's true, but... Okay, that was worth it. At this stage, seeing Mayborn and Jack together is worth a little bit of boredom. And working together and not killing each other. Doesn't mean Jack didn't want to. Oh, Jack wanted to. Through a dint of will, especially considering what happened at the end. Yes, Jack thought for probably a couple of months that Mayborn had shot him. (laughs) But no, Frank Simmons, bless him. Tweet from female haggis about having a shower or a bath or something that wasn't directed at us. No. <laughs> you can listen to podcasts in the bath or the shower. We encourage it. Not as easy to follow when you've got the water running, guys. I'm saying. Mm, that's probably true. Mm, mental image. Thank you. Mental image of, of what? Never mind. Not going there. Wormhole Extreme <laughs> is the next episode. <laughs> yeah, not too much to say about desperate measures. Come try ya! Hey everybody, this is the Book Cave, and my name is Rick Croxton, and with me is... Art Sippo. We want to let you know pretty much what we're about. We're a podcast. Our concentration is on adventure fiction, but we also get into comics. Sometimes we'll get into television and movies, but our big thing is books and the authors. We talk about books, about the history of them, and about some of the interesting things in them and how they interconnect. And we hope that people will enjoy it and get some fun out of it and learn something. We're more interested in the kind of books that we really enjoy, and we think that you will too. If you're a fan of Doc Savage, The Shadow, The Avenger, and some of the newer pulp characters like Lobster Johnson and The Rook, this is the podcast for you. You can visit us at thebookcave.lipson.com. Bye-bye now. Bye. Actually, we're at 5.11. I think, since we've done Desperate Measures and we're halfway through the season recap, you should give us the poll results, perhaps? 
Okay, then. Previous season recaps, you've actually given where it came in the poll as we've done the episode and realised we're halfway through. And I thought, let's just pretend it was seamlessly planned this way. <laughs> right, because anybody who follows this podcast is going to believe that. Yeah. They plan. <laughs> Not seamlessly. We'll turn up at seven o'clock, start recording, that's it. That's our plan. It's planned with a capital P. And even then, the person who made the plan was late. <laughs> time is ticking. He should have been late, and time wouldn't be ticking so bad. Our season five favourite episode poll closed today. It closed a bit early because it wasn't supposed to close for another couple of weeks, but we were recording this a couple of weeks early. That's one reason why... Who is it, Alan? Hmm? Okay, then. Adriana hasn't seen the last two episodes. (laughs) Don't think you can trick me that easily. This poll, we got 45 votes, which is up from last year. Ooh. Yeah, I was quite surprised, considering our... That's pretty good. Yeah, considering our downloads have gone down. I, I voted three times. How many? Three, I think. Seriously? <laughs> Quite possibly. Tell me you at least voted for different episodes each time. Oh, no. Oh, God. I already know what he voted for. 45 votes. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 14 episodes got 45 votes between them, with one vote each. Revelations got a single vote. Menace, The Warrior, Failsafe, and Beast of Burden. Mm. Two votes. The Fifth Man. Surprising that, but whatever. Between Two Fires, 2001, three votes, Last Stand, four votes, Meridian, five votes, Enemies, and Summit, and Proving Ground. <laughs> Where all three Valens votes went. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's quite a gap to the winner, which with 12 votes is Wormhole Extreme. Yes. doesn't come as a surprise. No, not particularly. Wormhole Extreme was a great episode. Yes, and we'll cover it next. Alan, which episode did you vote for? Which time? <laughs> Proving Ground, twice actually, not three times. I voted for Enemies, Adriana. I actually did vote for Proving Ground. Oh, oh please. What? Like it was because of you? I've got to take credit. I'm going to take it back. <laughs> the poll results weren't a surprise, to be honest. But I am gratified we got 45 votes, even if some of them were duplicates. Mm-hmm. Curiosity question. Yep. How many votes did Wormhawk Stream get? 12. 12. Thomas will love that. Good for Thomas. One thing Twitterpoll does allow you to do is actually to track which country the vote's from. Mm. We got, surprise, surprise, Canada and the US, Britain. No republic, Alan, I'm afraid to say. No? No, it doesn't show. I assume you're counted as part of uh, the UK. Mm. We got a vote from France, a vote from Australia, a vote from New Zealand, and a vote from Russia. Mm. From Russia? That's quite nicely widespread. We have to work harder to get into South America and Africa. <laughs> no, I don't want to get into Africa. Fair enough. I'm not learning Swahili for the sake of it. <laughs> right, so moving on to our vote winner. Gumdraya! Wormhole Extreme. The 100th episode of Stargate SG-1. And... Oh, 100 and minus one. 99. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry. By the time I've done with that, I'll never have said it. <laughs> Alan had said it, however. Oh, yeah, that'd been left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Thomas did mention to me that there was an actual, literal beep over something Alan said in one of the most recent episodes. There could have been. He swore. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yes. Usually you had it out, but this time, for whatever reason, you actually beeped over the word. Sometimes a beep works better than just a couple of tenths of silence. I think that's yeah. why South Park went with the beeps. You know, you know what they're saying. South Park went with the beeps because they want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt, people, they're cutting. Right then, okay. we're all extreme. We get a return from Martin Lloyd, played by Willie Garson. 
He doesn't quite remember the events beforehand because he's been taking his memory pills. Mm-hmm. Or lack of memory pills. Yeah, lack of memory pills. But little bits keep creeping in, and so he becomes a screenwriter. <laughs> and somehow he gets his show made, as they explain. Yes, and is it Martin playing an absolute and complete dick? Or do you Sorry? mean Martin? No, Martin Wood. Or is it Peter? Oh, Peter plays director? director. Oh, yeah, he's very much a dick. Great chemistry between him and his brother Michael as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. It was better than uh, I remembered it. I always considered Wormhole Extreme to be one of the weaker episodes in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit more fun this time around. It was a lot of fun. Yay, fun. So, Wormhole Extreme fun. <laughs> Watching Michael DeLuise, you know, trying to convince himself this episode was real. It must be real, because <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> Is that who that actor was? Yeah, that's Peter's brother, Dom DeLuise's son. Never really knew who the actor was. Then again, Alan was convinced it was Charlie Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Come try ya! Proving ground with certain actresses I am occasionally known to be slightly fond of. Yes, Grace Park. Yep, that's the one he's talking about. <laughs> She's cute. She's a little firecracker. Still like that line, uh, her first appearance. Yeah. What were you thinking when you punched that upperclassman? Aim high. <laughs> Alan, that's not Grace Park. No, he's, he's talking about Elizabeth Rosen. He's talking about Haley. Yeah. Yes. We all know who that's who, who Jack, uh, who Jack, who Alan means. <laughs> <laughs> I just went along with you. Neophyte, oh dear God. The synopsis actually has the word neophyte in it. Is it? Oh, right. Colonel Jack O'Neill and his new SG recruits have become the targets of a secret hostile takeover. Now it's up to a wounded O'Neill and his neophyte troop to save the command centre from a possible alien invasion. It was a well-written episode, though. They kept piling on the pressure and a couple of little twists at the end. Yeah. As I said when we commented on it, it doesn't stop. It no. is just, I mean, we finished talking about it, and I was like, well, was that three quarters of an hour? It lies past. It's not just because Hades in it. It's because there, it is beautifully paced, and it's a very, very, allowing for Einstein's uh, conception of that time is relative, it's a very quick 45 minutes. Yeah, and Jack gets shot. Yes. More than once. Mm. And <laughs> Daniel gets zatted, doesn't he? Daniel gets the general's office. <laughs> Jack actually looking at their monitor said, oh, I always knew he wanted the office. Yeah, I, think I always knew he wanted the chair, wasn't it? I thought it was the office. Concept's the same. Well, if you wanted the chair, that's easy. If you want the office, that's difficult. I don't know. I, I've worked in offices for 20 years. Chairs can be remarkably difficult to prize away from people. I've tried. Well, the, the general doesn't stay on base all the time. He's got a home and grandkids to go to as well. Yeah, but you know, if he's got a really good chair and he comes back and his really good chair is gone, first words out of Hammond's mouth are going to be, where's my chair? <laughs> Who took my damn chair? That kind of thing. Yes. He said, fidgeting with a long piece of green string. I can't remember what this is of. Yeah, proving ground. Good episode. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, up next, 48 Hours. I'm going to do something that I can't believe I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. Hmm? Do you remember the episode where Card gets turned into energy and the only way they get him back is because his DNA signature was still in the transporter buffers? That's been wiped from my memory. Are you kidding me? The three of us, I'm the only one who remembers a TNG episode? That's almost replica of, or actually this would be replica of, wow. Okay. Humbleweed sound right there, Mike. Yeah, but the TNG episode didn't have McKay. That's true. McKay makes all the difference. Even even when he even when he's talking to Sam, <laughs> he really does. I like dumb blondes. <laughs> Insert both feet carefully in mouth before speaking. The man is less subtle than me. <laughs> That's saying something. Thank you, dear. No problem. 
Oh, it's nice to know that if I ever get by any chance egotistical or unduly confident, you'll be there to bring me down. Oh, yeah, I'm all about popping the ego bubbles. I've got to satisfy my curiosity about the TNG one now. <laughs> satisfy it after we've finished. No, I'm looking now. There was relics where Scotty was in the transporter buffer. Mm-hmm. No, this was an episode where I don't remember what happened exactly, but it was Picard. There was an episode where Picard was turned into a child. Picard and who else was it? It was... Rolaren. Rolaren. Guinan. That was just classic. I loved it. Yeah, I find it interesting, though, that Picard was supposedly French, and yet young Picard spoke with a clipped English public school accent. But we're not here to do critiques there. No, there we go. Lonely Among Us. It's a season one episode. No wonder I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Non-bearded Riker. Oh, that was a tragedy. Those were bad days for the franchise. I think that's enough for TNG for now. 48 hours. Let's get back to that. Okay. Yes. We welcome Dr. Rod McKay, David Hewlett. Comes on screen like an absolute tornado, arrogant, know-it-all. Looks down on everybody, including Sam. Maybe that's why he survives, because he's he's actually such an arrogant little chef that, that Sam doesn't feel anything for him, which is why he doesn't get killed. <laughs> well, she never does, no matter how much he pines for her and hallucinates. Oh, that was a good episode of Stargate Atlantis. Yes. <laughs> Off topic. Okay. Just, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was in a pink for... Even I'm getting distracted <laughs> by that one. <laughs> sorry, uh, who are you people? Get <laughs> It did have, have a great little quote in it when the DHD blew up. Daniel just looks at it and turns to the general, the Russian general. Well, that didn't happen in any of the simulation. Just <laughs> <laughs> a little wistful look on his face and he walks off. Exactly. They couldn't have planned it any better. I'd have gone with, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> yeah, that'd have worked. It'd probably gone over the heads of many a viewer, though. Including possibly our current co-host. And what's the name? Well, you've said it now, you say, well, I would say. Come <laughs> Next is beginning of a two-parter. Which, frankly, had sufficient gravitas and, Lord knows it, budget to be a season-ender. I said so at the time. Yeah, very much so. Summit, a huge episode. Yes, uh, and Summit does go on. A huge guest list, fantastic CGI effects, costuming out of this world. And Bob. Not only Bob, we had Jacob back. We had Anna Louise Plowman as Osiris. We had Elliot from uh, Proving Ground. Rinal, a Tokra, she'd been in previous episodes. Walter. Oldwin, mm-hmm. we had Lord Hugh, Zip. Oh, Christ, I can never say his name. Zipakner. 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 <laughs> Carly, System Lord. We had the most impressive breasts in the entire series from <laughs> Morrigan. I'm sorry, it has to be said, the costuming alone was impressive. If our female guest would care to comment on that. Why? You guys are commenting on it quite plenty. Quite plenty. Yes. If they didn't people to notice, they wouldn't have put her in that outfit. The argument has been unsuccessful to use the sexual assault trials. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a very good point. Have you finished enough yet, Alan? No, no, I still have an hour left of part one. Actually, I have about 35 minutes of part one left, but I've got a four-hour round trip on Tuesday, so that'll probably wrap it up. Well, without giving anything away, there's a line in there about Sybil's bosom and the rise and fall of empires. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's that's not you, is it? <laughs> not funny. <laughs> not funny. I thought it was funny. No, you thought it was amusing. You didn't think it was funny. Daniel goes undercover at a system lord get-together. Well, it looks like a very uncomfortable vest. Well, yeah, yeah. Only the system lords get the really good stuff. Mm. Uh, his job is basically to kill everybody, but every time Jacob calls him on the communicator, is it done yet? Daniel, no. Something's happened. An hour later, is it done yet? No, something else has happened. How about now? 
My ex-girlfriend's turned up. <laughs> I'm going to save it. Poor Daniel. Poor, poor Daniel. i got to wonder how many doses are in the ring. Enough. <laughs> you is blissfully unaware of the ruse. Osiris is actually at the meeting to petition for the inclusion of Anubis, who she serves. And at this point, we haven't actually met Anubis, only heard from him. Obviously, the system lords know of him, and you particularly knows of him, because he was around when Anubis was last seen in this galaxy. And he was supposed to be dead. But as we've seen, being dead is necessarily the end of your life. No, with system lords, death is merely a temporary inconvenience. It really is. Unless, of course, you happen to get blown up by a nuclear weapon in your face. <laughs> One of Sam's ex-boyfriends who isn't quite as dead as we thought he was. <laughs> he's a bit worse for wear, though, I think you'll say. Yes, see, he's lost some weight. Yes, just a little bit. Only a couple hundred pounds. Really? It was like that heavy? A couple of hundred pounds? <laughs> no, but Martouf probably was. I don't think Martouf was over 200 pounds. Okay, but seriously, Martouf was the one who had a thing for Sam. Lantash wasn't. Didn't Lantash have a thing for John there? Yes. I think Lantash and Martooth were a lot closer than many of Tokra and the symbiotes were. Mm. I think Lantash had no problem identifying with the emotion that Martooth had with Sam. It's not like uh, Anise and Freya, who were no. very much different in their tastes of men. No, one like Jack, one like Daniel. Yeah, very different. That was just downright funny. That was downright kinky if you get right down to it. No, you, could, you, could, you could have a threesome. Even Showtime didn't go that far. <laughs> the argument could actually be made that it would technically be a foursome. I was going to say that, but I thought you might say it first, so I thought I'd, I'd leave you to it. <laughs> Thank you for proving your right. Come try ya! Last Stand, the continuation of Daniel's adventures on the, the System Lord space station. A severe decimation of the Tok'ra, and one of our guys from Proving Ground, which we didn't mention last time, part one, makes it to an SG team long enough to get bloody killed. Everybody makes it to an SG team long enough to get killed. Yes, unfortunately, a lot of rubble falls on his head. That's usually all we see of them. They are cannon fodder. You know, basically, if you're an SG team that's not single digits, you're pretty much definitely dead. If you're an <laughs> SG team that is single digits, but it's above five, there's about 50% chance of you being killed. Anything below five, you're probably okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to go with the statement that you guys made one of the previous episodes. The lower your SG number, the better your chances. Yeah, that's what I just said. Rather more long-windedly, but essentially the same thing. <laughs> yeah, me long-winded, I know. This is me, so if we use one word when ten will do. Ten? Don't. Just did. I've been playing with a compass as well. <laughs> and a paintbrush. And a bat. You're channeling Richard Dean Anderson, aren't you? Yes. Well, it's kind of hard to channel him since he's not actually dead. Uh, that's not what I'm... I believe to channel someone, they have to be actually passed on. Do you? Seriously? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Nope, been outvoted. <laughs> In last stand... Daniel gets himself in hot water because uh, Osiris uh, realises who he is. Does that happen a Well, there is a pool of bubbling water. Small. Worth noting, the system lords are actually eating mature symbiotes. Mm -hmm. That's just gross. It was, but beautifully done. The CGI was fantastic. You said they bit into lamb or something? Tacos. Tacos. Yes. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, on the planet... Tokra are pretty much wiped out. Yeah, very much so. And Elliot with Lantash inside him, Sam... Tilk with his crystals and Jack along for the ride are slowly burrowing their way towards the Stargate. Hmm. Well, not so much burrowing. It's, it's sort of like, you know, Lego, you know, insert, twist, click. There's no twisting. Well, there's occasionally a click, but not generally a twist with Lego. I knew that I'd get rise. Alan? Yes? You and I are going to have words if it's over. Not immediately after it's over. <laughs> if you record them, I'll put them in the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of which... <laughs> so not much editing in this show, then. Aside from my more outrageous statement, inappropriate statements by not just me, for once. Okay, we'll get back to Last Stand. 
Anubis is accepted into the system lords with the promise of destroying the Earth. Because technically, he's outside of the Protected Planets Treaty. He gets a chance to kill us. Woohoo. In, strangely enough, the next episode. Yes. Why wait? With what has to be, I'm sorry, a ridiculous premise, even by Stargate standards. As we said at the time, obvious nod to both of those asteroid movies. Uh, more so the, on the, the get yeah. Mostly the one Bruce Willis and what's his face? Bill Paxton. Ben Affleck. Wasn't Bill Paxton in it as well? Steve Buscemi. No, Bill Paxton wasn't. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, Billy Bob. He's in my favourite Coen Brothers movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. I rented it. I watched it. I liked it so much. I sat down and started watching it again once it finished. The Man Who Wasn't There. I don't think I've seen that. It's about a barber. It's got uh, James Gandolfini in it as well. Oh. And for obvious reasons, Frances McDormand, because she's married to one of the Golden Brothers, she's in bloody everything. <laughs> With the possible exception of uh, the film about hats. They'll say, a huge asteroid is heading towards Earth. Uh, they have ten days, or something daft like that, to save the planet. We just got a big countdown clock. Yeah, luckily, they know where a spaceship is, because they crashed it the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we leave it? Where did we park again? They get the geek squad to go and fix it. We get a, we get a montage. Yes, ah, montage. Because montage is always the best way to fix things. You see Daniel asleep. That wasn't the Daniel scene that most people memorize. <laughs> it is if we're not extending beyond the end of this season. No, even in this season, most female fans are probably going to fixate on him with the half-naked chest in Summit and Last Stand. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> SG-1 finally get to the asteroid and I managed not to crash into it. They find that it's made of Niquadria, or is it Naquadria? Which one? It's Naquadria. Niquadria doesn't exist yeah. until episode 21. You're right, yeah. <laughs> and if they blow it up with a nuke, it'll take the solar system with it. This would be a bad thing. So a fiendish plan by Anubis. If we do nothing, the Earth gets destroyed. If we blow it up, the solar system gets destroyed. I don't think they really care about the rest of the solar system. Probably not. Either way, the uh, Alpha site will be full of second-rate politicians. politicians. And... Yes. <laughs> something you pointed out repeatedly. Yeah. It is something we would do. The secret underground bunker where we will save the human race will be populated by 90% politicians and civil servants. I have no objections to the civil service aspect. I know you don't. Point out repeatedly. <laughs> and telephone sanitizers, second class. I think that, that's the accurate reference. Was it third class? Better than the entire planet being wiped out by a virulent disease coughed from a dirty telephone. <laughs> yeah, never a mutant star goat around when you want one. Indeed. A mutant what? Hitchhiker's reference. Well, that explains that. You haven't seen Hitchhiker's Guide, the TV series? Nope. I'll put it on the hard drive and send it to her. Right then, that's next. <laughs> no, I just want the doctor. It's 500 gig, there'll be room. It's only six episodes, and they're half-hour episodes at that. <laughs> it won't make you watch a Hollywood movie of it. <laughs> Even Zoe Deschanel couldn't save that. I was at the premiere, and Bill Nighy came out to introduce it, and he looked embarrassed. <laughs> Yeah, he, looked, he looked apologetic, you know. Look, he was trying to be enthusiastic, but he just looked, you know, sad. <laughs> anyway, SG-1 pulls the cat out of the bag with the uh, sort of... <laughs> he gets around, that cat does. They're really surprised to find him on the asteroid. <laughs> like you said, Schrodinger's okay. a well-traveled cat. He probably thought, you killed my mask, I'm going to have you. <laughs> yeah. Vengeance is mine. <laughs> they actually injected one of the phase devices into the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this cat can literally go, you're not putting me in a box. <laughs> Is that the answer to the great question? Is the cat alive or dead? No, he's not in the box because the damn sod phased out of it. <laughs> he's over there. Can't you see him? Well, you've uh, seen the third state of Schrodinger's cat as exhibited by the Grebo. <laughs> yeah, bloody furious. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be surprised that SG-1 saved the day. Something which stretches credulity significantly. 
A fun episode, though. It is a fun episode. Yeah. One of Thomas's favorite quotes. I can see my house from here. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is a good quote. Yet something else for you to put in the opening sequence. Yeah. Yes, he did mention it, didn't he? <laughs> I love Thomas dearly, but he seems to have a long list of quotes that want to go into the title sequence. Thomas is welcome to record and edit together his own title sequence, and we might consider it for inclusion. Indeed. Yes. At the very least, you'd have to play it as a, this is what Thomas actually did, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll get played. Thomas, this is a note to you. Daniel posted a picture of his son with a chalk SG-1 emblem. So I'm going to use that in the iTunes graphic for this episode. Hmm. I like that. Up next, The Warrior. Uh, Kitano. Yeah, story by Christopher Judge, uh, written by Chris Judge and Peter DeLuise. So uh, it features Tilt quite heavily. Largely starring Chris Judge. Yes. Surprisingly, he's in it a lot. Yes. Amazing that. And showing a surprising, you know... If he's writing it, maybe he shouldn't write himself because, frankly, he doesn't write himself very well. He doesn't come across very well, does he? Yeah. No, he comes across as acting completely out of character. Him and Braytac, both of them. I mean, they're blinded by their desire to see a united and free Jafar. They're willing to pretty much accept anything to get there, including exactly the same tactics that a Gwarge system lord would use. And, big shock, what do we find out? Yeah, poor old Katano isn't as clean-cut as he makes out. Although he is quite clean-shaven. Rick Worthy, excellent performance. You like the character. Mm. You really do. He can only suppress the natural guild arrogance for so long before he just completely loses the plot at the end. If he hadn't said anything to Tilk when Tilk was, you know, lying in a bloody mess at his feet, mm -hmm. he'd won the fight. Tilt wouldn't have got that last bit of blood racing through his veins to actually stab him with his wooden staff weapon. No, but I mean, the point is, uh, Tilk is not somebody to get ticked off. I mean, he lifted up a Alkesh size staff weapon to kill, what's his face? Tanith. Tanith, thank you. That's his normal backup weapon these days, so obviously it ain't that heavy. Come on, it's the equivalent of Detroit's crossbow, <laughs> which I shouldn't have said at the time. The thing with Katana, though, is that his mistake obviously was saying something to Tilk. Because it didn't just tick Teal'c off, it changed everything. Yeah. It went from, I'm struggling to be the leader of this rebellion Jaffa group for their best interest, to, holy f this is a ghoul, he's going to die. <laughs> it totally changed his entire perspective, which is what gave him the extra adrenaline, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It was a graphic demonstration, though, the difference between, he's not a system lord as such, a mature, well, I suppose you could call him a system lord, he, he had the emblem and everything, a mature gold against the Jafar, even someone of tilt strength, just couldn't take one-on-one. -on -one. It had to rely on the arrogance and stupidity of the ghoul to give the opening. Hey, let's face it, it's the arrogance and the stupidity of the ghoul that give us the opening to do everything that is done to them. Mm -hmm. Their biggest failing is their arrogance and stupidity. You'd think they learn. Unfortunately, they're too arrogant to learn. <laughs> On the subject of arrogance <laughs> and stupidity... Who built the android in Menace? Well, it was probably a good idea at the time. Yeah. Those are definitely in the top five in Famous Last Words. The scientist's daughter died, or perhaps like Caprica, who was trying to build AI, and he ended up building a, a super-intelligent robot. Yeah, this is Oppenheimer-level screw -up. Obviously, she went well beyond her original programming, and that's not a data reference. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> data's light and fluffy. It's more of a lore reference. But it, it's a good analogy. Think of how many times the professor who created data messed it up before he got data. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, lore was a right little bastard, wasn't he? 
see, Reese hadn't totally destroyed her planet with her little toys. <laughs> Maybe the guy would have survived to recreate another one that would have been better. I still, the first time I saw that reveal of Deflecate when I watched this episode, the first time I was like, Ooh, I actually shuddered. That was a real <laughs> kind of, Ooh. Okay, I kid you not, to this day, that little clickety-clackety metallic sound that the repeaters make still makes mom shudder. It's a Lego Mindstorms kit. <laughs> not the point. The sound gets a reaction out of her every time. It does kind of, it's on a frequency which sort of sets your teeth on edge. In one of the later episodes that have the replicators, while we're sitting there in the living room watching it, you hear the sound, of course, because they always intro it with the sound. I love that. Mm -hmm. But you hear the sound, and and Mom's head, like, snaps to look at me, and she was like, is that what it is? (laughs) Talking about it. Spoilers. (laughs) I'm giving away spoilers. Uh, Don't worry. It's just a big spider wearing stilettos outside. <laughs> now you have an image of me with spider stilettos, burlesque dress, and shochun. Oh gosh! If any of our artistically inclined listeners want to sketch that, we'll put it on the website. <laughs> if our artistically inclined listeners want to sketch that, I will frame it. <laughs> Not for my wall, mind you, because I don't want an image like that hanging around. <laughs> I have plenty of spare rooms. I can hang it somewhere else. I'm not sending it to you. I'm sending it to Mike. Oh right. I'm sneaky. I will find a way. <laughs> Creates replicators as have And dies tragically. Yes. We saw Daniel pretty much bearing his soul. And even though he betrayed him the first time around, he was being genuine the second time. Mm. Unfortunately, Jack kind of stepped in and made sure that wasn't a problem. Everything was a vital system in her abdomen. I don't know if he was aiming for a vital system so much as he was just aiming to hit her. Yeah. If they can take her down for even an instant to where she can't stop him shutting her off, that's all they need. Mm. Assault shotgun at close range, take a head off. That'd have worked just as good. That'd have destroyed the main processor and the little hard drive. And the little brainiac standing next to her. Yeah, true. But <laughs> like Jack says, you know, he resists the urge to shove his head through a wall, but not shoot him. <laughs> and of course, any heavier weaponry, you have got that little serene look over her when she died and the hands automatically crossed over her chest like a robot powering Dan. Mm-hmm. Daniel Nicolette. Pretty little thing. I've seen her in Third Rock from the Sun, which I mentioned. In one episode where I'm looking at I think, I recognise her from something, but the quick look on IMDb, and they can, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I do that. Yeah, she had starred alongside Michael DeLuise. Come try ya! The Sentinel. Henry Gibson from Rowan and Martin's Laughing. And... I don't remember this episode. Neither did we. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not very good. Good to know. No, I'm not alone. Yeah, I think we mentioned it. I can't remember what the hell happens in this episode. Yeah, that was a sort of free record discussion. What's this? I don't know. Two members of one of the NID, well, away teams. Yeah, why not away teams? As if we haven't had enough Star Trek references already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're actually on death row for treason. And because this planet's sentinel, which protects them from alien invasion, is damaged, they get brought back to repair it. Mm. Guest star is Christina Cox. She's already featured in one episode of Stargate, features in an episode of Atlantis. Very familiar face to any genre fan, being the star of Blood Ties. I don't think I've seen Mm. that. I'll send it you. You definitely recognise the face. Your what? It's about a detective who has to retire from the cop force because he develops some sort of rhinoplasty thing that is causing him to go partially blind. And she works as a PI and she ends up with a vampire for a partner. With the name Blood Ties, that it would be something like that. Yeah. Shane from Australia sent it. Along with three discs of the Transformers animated series. <laughs> the Sentinel is not the best episode. Henry Gibson is absolutely fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Christina Cox, I'll pretty much watch anything she's in except Blood Ties, which I didn't like. 
Strangely enough, they have Sam the Clever One firing mm. a gun, defending this facility, and Daniel inside. Suppose, in the stricter sense, although Sam is the Clever One, in terms of firing gun and defending, who would you rather have outside, Sam or Daniel, from a strict military <laughs> standpoint? Perhaps if Sam had been inside, they'd have got inside a lot quicker. <laughs> Having to defend that big wooden structure wouldn't have been that much of an issue. You could have just poured an apron and set the fire. Yeah, unfortunately, they were on that planet to fix it, not destroy it. No, I mean, set the big wooden thing in the front of it and fire, which would have discouraged the Jaffa. Since they didn't have any fire extinguishers, it probably would have burnt the inside as well. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought, I suppose, on the Sentinel, the only redeeming factor is the guy, he does actually redeem himself at the end. Yes, he does. All his sort of evil acts, a final sort of... Although, given the appearance of the other guy in the flashback sequences, I get the impression he can become corporeal again. Uh, what do you mean, the caretaker? Yeah. No, he's dead. Yeah, the caretaker is dead, but the caretaker was presumably the human component of the... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but whenever the sentinel is used, the caretaker died, the flame goes out, so they send somebody else to be the caretaker. And because the flame didn't go out, because they jerry-rigged it, mm -hmm. they didn't send a new caretaker. No, I'm willing to speculate that he still exists in some form. Okay. Maybe he's ascended. Gumdraya! Up next, an episode that probably had many fans in tears. Meridian. Mm. It did me both times I watched it. Uh, and now the end is near. <laughs> and the end had better bloody come quickly. SG-1 visits a planet where the local inhabitants have just discovered the Stargate. They were about, technology-wise, around the 40s, just uh, experimenting with weapons of mass destruction using a material they found in this gold temple. I was going to say, is this not where we find Nequadria? Yeah, it is. That's the material they found. Yes. Not Nequadria, as they point out, or translated that word, Nequadria, a mineral thousands of times more powerful and actual material they need to power hyperdrive engines, shields, and build bombs. We get a wonderful line from Jack here basically saying that we're actually going to use it to defend shields, but go ahead, blow yourselves up. Well, Jack's not feeling very charitable at the moment, because not only has Daniel received a lethal dose of radiation, but Langarans are actually saying he sabotaged the experiment, and the SGC and the American government are going along with it. So that probably goes against everything Jack regards as honourable. Not only is his friend dying, but the memory of his friend is being tarnished. Yes, this is not a good thing. As it turns out, while Daniel is slowly falling to bits in a bloody mess, and gradually getting yes. covered by bandages more and more, because they don't want to show that bloody mess on TV... Thankfully. He's visited by Omer Sala, who we've seen in previous episodes. And something I got annoyed about because, uh, you know, could you vague it up a little, Omer? <laughs> you don't like the Zen talk, do you? It reminds me of the extraordinarily irritating TNG episode. Which at this point, I can't help referencing it. It's been pointed out we reference it, so I'm over-referencing. The extremely annoying TNG episode where the planet they come to, everyone only speaks in metaphors. Pointless, pretentious twaddle. <laughs> Even by Star Trek standards. And they're taking some liberties with sci-fi fans. Okay, I'm done. At this point, Michael Shank is leaving the series, so this is, at this time, this is his final appearance in the show. It's one song. But nice exit strategy, Michael. Oh, yeah. I won't actually die. I'll ascend, so if my glittering movie career goes, I can go back. Well, to be fair, this was more of the writer's decision, the producer's decision. Yeah, because I'm sure they got, there were sort of screams of protests across the country when this went down first time. We were like, ah. Like any time when a major character leads, you know, half the audience believes he was sacked. The other half believes he left because he got fed up of it. 
you know, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Even now, when you're reading the actual articles and such forth, it's not 100% clear exactly why he left. A, to move on to something, movie career, or because he got fed up with the character, or he, he wasn't being written in the right way. Either way, you cut some of the episodes in season five. They were good Daniel episodes. I mean, how early into the filming of season five did they know they were going to let Daniel step through the glowing light door? I'm not sure. I expect it to be fairly late on because there's nothing at all. No build-up. Yeah, they might have brought meeting the Langorans earlier. As it mm-hmm. happens, Corinne Nemec, who plays Jonas Quinn, goes on into season six. I like I'm looking forward to season six because, mm. obviously, you know, I don't feel particularly warm to the character. Not to the actor. No problem with the actor. Mm. Like Wormhole Extreme, I think I might have a change of opinion after watching this, this upcoming season in more depth. I think you identify with Jack in that. You don't feel warm towards the character because Jack doesn't feel warm towards the character. Yeah, it could be that, yeah. I said no one does. They work mm. with him and everything, but they all see him as trying to replace Daniel. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting if he'd have stayed on for two or three seasons. Mm. I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, either way, uh, absolutely brilliant episode. This could easily have been my vote, my favourite of the season. If it wasn't for the CGI loveliness of enemies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On the subject of CGI loveliness, we get to see Anubis, or what is left of Anubis, in Revelations. Yes, indeedy. Did you like my link there? I thought that was a good link. <laughs> we get to see Osiris again in a very snazzy outfit. Mm-hmm. I much preferred the practically transparent from backlit outfit, but that was me. <laughs> well, not only that, but she's a really badass in this one. She faces mm-hmm. down an Asgard ship and basically kicks its ass. <laughs> Initially, we believe Thor is actually killed. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, he's been captured and been interrogated by uh, Anubis, who turns up. Yes. It pretty much all starts to fall apart for everybody in this episode. Oh, God, yeah. Things just go to... Oddly enough, as you said at, uh, at the time, when we recorded this a whole, you know, four days ago, <laughs> maybe five. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. No. I don't know if this was because of the transition from uh, Showtime to sci-fi. Mm. Obviously, the, you know, they knew they'd been picked up by another channel. All work towards the feature had probably been postponed. Yep. I suppose maybe they just looked and thought, we can't hand it on the cliffhanger because we've got too much. We've got to rebuild for the sixth season. Mm-hmm. Stargate do fantastic cliffhangers, as it turns out. But when they don't do one, it's just as good. I mean, the whole episode is, is building is a cliffhanger in itself without there actually being one single event. Well, we have our new big bad. Yeah. Nothing like Star Trek at all, but very much like Star Wars. Luke, I am your father? Either that, or you could say more like the Emperor. You know, the big cowl and the robe. and Yeah, all, all they really need was to have him voiced by... Uh... <laughs> that probably would have been going too far. I find it ironic that the guy that played Palpatine in heavy makeup in the original trilogy, by the time Revenge of the Sith rolled around, he actually needed makeup to make him look younger. And then when he was transformed into the Emperor, he's he sort of sufficiently haggard by age that they didn't need as much makeup. <laughs> nice symmetry, they've got the same guy to play it. Yeah. We also see in Revelations the first fully CGI Asgard, who can actually uh, interact with both the sets and the uh, actors. Ah, yes. Rock that tennis ball. <laughs> she pointed out it went to tennis ball that was Janet Fraser. In a particular part of Janet Fraser. <laughs> yes. Well, we don't need to... Reveal that here, he said, nervously. Yes, we don't need to reveal anything of Janet. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, I can... Uh, some, uh, it's something has occurred to me. Has it? Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, that's just mean. It has nothing to do with Stargate and everything to do with the time. Oh, right. Oh, these are the parts that are going to get edited out. Dead air tends to be rather boring to the listener. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Okay, ultimately, Anubis interrogates uh, Thor by sticking uh, a walnut in his head, a spiky walnut. Conquer. Conquer, whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's a vicious-looking thing. We've speculated on how it gets into Thor's body. Best left to the imagination. I've thought about it. You know exactly what I just thought. <laughs> they do rescue Thor. The episode ends with three of the latest generation of Asgard ships appearing and facing Anubis down. Oh, yes, the O'Neill class. Yes, he does a runner. Anubis runs away. Run away. Quite sensible for a gourd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he picked up a certain degree of knowledge. Yes, the thousand odd years that he's uh, spent elsewhere. It's not a certain him... degree of knowledge, it's a certain degree of common sense. Yes. When it's best to uh, run away and not fight. He wasn't quite sure what weaponry these ships had because Thor's ship was the old design. Mm-hmm. That was Revelations. This scene requested by fans and as assembled by Mike. The indeed, since he's provided such an insane level of detail, I'm going to quote it all. Oh, by the way, standalones indicate that he said indeed on its own, and sentence indicates that he said it in a sentence. I will indicate time and episode. Season 5, episode 6, Rite of Passage, standalone, 1035. Indeed. 507, Beast of Burden, standalone, 309. Indeed. 508, The Tomb, we have a sentence at 1913, a standalone at 2843, and a sentence at 3147. Indeed. 510, 2001. Standalone 123, sentence 452. Indeed. 513, Proving Ground, sentence 3414. 514, 48 Hours, standalone 4217. Indeed. 515, Summit, sentence 4248. 517, Failsafe, sentence 2611, standalone 3003. Indeed. 518, The Warrior, standalone 3214. And 520, the Sentinel, sentence 4235, which gives an equal split between standalone and sentence of 7 and 7. Come try ya! Are you looking for a podcast that's fast-paced, hard-hitting, in-your-face, a podcast that rides the ragged edge of disaster? I just I just saw for the first time the Weezer Pork and Beans commercial. Might want to check elsewhere for one of those. On the other hand, if you're looking for a podcast with a couple of cheerful hosts sitting around talking about geeky stuff that they like, boy, have I got a show for you. Pulp Audio Weekly, with your hosts, Wesley and Bob. It's a show that's got everything you need. Hosts. I'm Wesley, and he's sitting directly across from me, the Lana Kane. To my Sterling Archer. Ooh. Danger Zone. Uh, <laughs> is Bob. Say hi to everybody, Bob. Hi to everybody, Bob. And the geeky stuff they like talking about. Uh, don't ever fight a Deathclaw. Like, if you see one, just turn and run. Science. Okay, so you may... Miss Sakamoto, you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. Symbian was, up until October or whatever of last year, the number one operating system on all smartphones. I see. It's also and, and a... Now uh, it's, and now it's Android. Very interesting sex toy. And really, what more could you ask for? That's Pulp Audio Weekly at weekly.pulpaudio.com. Head on over there to find out all about the show and listen to episodes right on the webpage. Or pick up the RSS feed and subscribe right on your favorite podcast listening tool. That's Pulp Audio Weekly with your hosts, Wesley and Bob. Weekly.pulpaudio.com. I turned away from the mic to clear my throat. <laughs> we kicked their asses. They had asses. Season five, absolutely brilliant season. It was a good season. 
Yeah, I don't think those weaker episodes take anything away from the season overall. This was a, a brilliant season. True. And that is more or less it, I think. Yep. Any final thoughts? Adriana? Not particularly. Especially not when you put me on the spot like that. <laughs> season six, as I've said, I could, in theory, watch the episodes beforehand. I still think that that's not a good idea. I've already had Adriana's opinion on that. Fair enough. And Adriana will voice it again. Oh, that was a deliberate use of your name. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> We're pretty much finished. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. You still said it. He's claiming technicality there. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not as panicked because I remember there's a garage the far side of the river that opens until 10. Okay, folks. This was the Season 5 recap show. The episode without a number. Quite right. We will be returning Season 6. Since we finished two seasons this year, quicker than we normally would, we probably will be starting season six before Christmas. There's too much of a gap to do nothing. <laughs> we would risk pod fading and, and dropping our massive audience. <laughs> yep, so we will be returning with season six next week. Redemption part one. Oh, not Revelations part two, because oh, it wasn't a cliffhanger. Hi folks, and thanks for listening, downloading, etc, etc, etc. If you need to email us, the email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. If you need to find the podcast, somebody gave it to you, you got it through an online subscription. We're on iTunes as Gatecast. We're also listed on Podcast Alley and Podcast Pickle. If you want to leave feedback, you can record an MP3 and email it to gatecastpodcast.gmail.com. You can also leave us feedback on the website, that's gatecast.phasecast.com. There is the Facebook group, which is The Gatecast. And finally, you can also tweet us. We're the Gatecast on Twitter as well. Thanks very much for listening and hope to hear from you next week. Okay, then we will welcome Stargate SG1 as it moves to the Sci Fi Channel. Any thoughts, anybody? No? Yes? Redemption Part 1 SG1 faces two potential disasters light years apart as an energy buildup in the Stargate threatens to destroy Earth, and Teok returns home to find his wife dead, his son estranged, and his planet under attack. Oh no! <laughs> One of these days, Teal'c is going to learn not to go home. Nothing good happens. Every time he does, something bad happens. Usually <laughs> related to Ryak. Yeah, and there's no parallel we could draw there with Worf and... No, 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 no. We're certainly not going to even attempt to draw a Star Trek parallel to anything. Heavens, no. No more Star Trek parallels for at least a week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could draw Star Trek no, perpendiculars or isosceles oh, triangles. That's bad. Thank you, dear. I did try. Yes, you do. At least I didn't even throw you the softball there, which I could have. In fact, for the sake of editing, uh, thank you, dear. I am trying. Yes, you are. Frequently. That's purely for uh, Mike and choose which one to pick in, to put in. No, Mike will probably put both in. Always sounds silly. <laughs> okay, then, folks. That was the recap episode. We'll see you next week. Take care. Have fun. I've been out. Bye. <laughs> do that again. One at a time. Again. <laughs> You know how we sign off at this stage, woman. You've listened to 100 episodes. Oh, he did not just call me woman. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go make sure the doghouse is nice and grimy for someone who just got himself assigned there for the next month. Well, say goodbye first. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you, folks. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike, and Scott. Visitors at gatecast.facecast.com. Gatecast.facecast.com.